In a previous Aspire episode, I had a wonderful conversation with Dr. Sheldon Akins as we discussed the issues of racial justice, equity, and implicit bias. After that conversation, I was convicted to assess not only my own practices, but the practices of my school to determine the biases that exist. I didn't want to stop at that conversation, and that's why this week I have an amazing leader, Andre Dottie, as we focus on the question, what is the starting point for a school or district to create equitable practices? In this episode, Andre shares a variety of stories on how to use student interest to guide engagement, identify multiple intelligences, diversifying literature options for students, and Andre's passion project, which is his YouTube channel featuring all sorts of wonderful and fun teaching strategies. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Andre, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. We've been connected on social media for a little while now, and I've been dying to get you on the show, and I'm so glad that we got to connect tonight. Agreed, agreed. So just before we begin talking about a bunch of different important topics tonight, I would love to hear about your educational journey. Absolutely. I'm Andre Dowdy from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Born and raised right here in Oklahoma City. Long story short, I was a kid in class, always making beats, always humming, always whistling, always singing. I was that distraction in the classroom. You know, you have the pen in your hand and, you know, that little trigger that, like, that was that was all I needed. I could make a beat out of the trigger. And, of course, you know, that would get on the teacher's nerves and get kicked out a whole lot. I was that kid in class. And one day in outside in the hallway of me being kicked out, uh, a teacher came up to me and basically was like, you always singing? And I'm like, always. He's like, well, let me hear it. And so I sang to him a song, which was just riffs from like jazz, just mm-hmm. things that I've been hearing in my head. He's like, man, we got to get you in band. And so I got in band and little did I know that I could play up to eight instruments. Wow. And so that was like a wild thing. That same band director helped me get a college scholarship to an HBCU uh, called Langston University. It's the only HBCU in Oklahoma. And so now here I am, a percussionist inside of this HBCU band, just like the movie Drumline. I mean, that Nick Cannon was Andre Cowdy, seriously. Uh, <laughs> well, except for the fighting part. We, right. we, we knew those unwritten rules, like you can't touch another drummer's drum. Like we knew that. So I wanted to inspire students just like that teacher did me. And just being honest with you, being real, being raw in Oklahoma and even nationwide, there just aren't very many black male educators. Mm-hmm. There are coaches in the secondary, but there's just not very many in the elementary level. And so I wanted to be an elementary teacher just for that reason. And so I've been in education. This is now year 20. And I had the opportunity to really use a lot of those same musical influences as an elementary teacher inside of the elementary classroom. So for the kid who made the beat, instead of me kicking them out, I'm like, make that beat again. That was phenomenal. Uh, For the kid who's singing, I'm like, oh, I wonder if you could use our subject matter with that song. Like, I wonder what would that song sound like? So before people started to rap their math chants way back in 2000, 2001, that was happening. I would bring my musical instruments up there And so not only am I teaching students how to play these musical instruments, but we're embedding it with the curriculum. Um, So it was really dope, man, really cool. And uh, from there, got to help a middle school kind of get started, but my heart was really back in elementary. Mm -hmm. 
So I went back to elementary, been rocking that since. And then, you know, you do some college work on the side, you become an administrator and you help out like at the central office and things like that with technology. But now, man, I get the opportunity to do some educational consulting and keynotes and share my story, share how students learn, share lots of things from project-based learning to how your gifted and talented students can succeed to how your SPAN students are actually just as gifted and talented than your gifted and talented student to engaging students to all the things and even equity. And so I'm really fortunate to you know have those opportunities to teach teachers and educators and administrators worldwide, man. That's awesome. And I love your story, especially because, you know, you had a teacher that found a gift in you and, and yes. you said like the gifted and talented. And, you know, I think we use that term in, in a box, right? We yeah. say you're only gifted and talented in these certain areas. And mm-hmm. for you, obviously, that was far different. Like you had a great talent that wasn't what was normal, right, at that time. And someone saw that in you. I would love to talk about like what you're doing in your classroom and, and how are you finding gifted and talented beyond just the, the term that we use within a yeah. traditional school? Yeah, and when you think gifted and talented, there's normally three criteria. Like, are they showing leadership capabilities? Right. Are they showing a specific skill or talent that you just see it? Or is it academic? Yep. And most times... We just look at that academic side, you know, most times, oh my goodness, they are a 4.5 on a four point scale, or, you know, that first grader can can read a Harry Potter book. Oh, they're <laughs> talented. But they often skip out on that leadership part. Like that one kid who's, who's in the class, who's always talking, who's always in trouble for talking, you know, who can't go to recess or has to do with sentences or has to change the popsicle stick. But the entire class listens to that one kid that's leadership. But we often just overlook that. Or the kid in the class who's like me, who's whistling and humming and beating. And sure enough, the teacher wanted me to take Ritalin. Sure enough, you know, they thought that I should be on a, I was ADHD, you know, absolutely. It looked that way. But I was just the kid who always had a song in my head. Mm -hmm. Well, come to find out, (laughs) I was pretty talented. But you would have never known it had that one teacher taking the time and just said, you know, that that is strange that you're always singing. Sing to me what you like. And that's like one of the dopest feelings ever to sing to you what you hear. And then the teacher being able to explain in musical theory what you were doing. And so that is the exact same thing that I deal with with my students that I try to help teachers like your students are geniuses. You just don't know it yet because you're not looking at it from their perspective. And so when you find that one kid in your classroom who talks all the time, instead of hushing him or her or they, what can you do to redirect that conversation? Perhaps that person is a teacher and you don't know it. So give that student some opportunity to lead because the student has the ear from the entire class or the school or the, the grade level or whatever. Man, that, that, that makes a big difference, makes all the difference in the world. What about student interest also? Because like you said, that was obviously an interest of yours. You were, you know, writing, you were constantly having beats in your head or you were making yeah. music constantly. And some elementary schools, they just have one day a week where you do music and that's it. Like you're not yeah. allowed to do anything else or art, right? You, you have the art teacher come in with a cart and they get it once a yeah. week and that's it. And that's for it. you, like, how are you pulling student interest so that it connects with other things within your classroom? Yeah, man, there was this, there was this person who came to 
he was speaking like at an educational conference here in Oklahoma. And it was way back in like 2000. His name was Dr. Juwanza Kanjuku. And he said this quote during that keynote, and it changed my philosophy. He said, if you observe students, they will teach you how to teach them. And then he just sat there and he let us like process what he just said. Then he said it again. If you observe students, they will teach you how to teach them. And then we just sat. You know, that teacher wait time is like three seconds. Yeah. But uh, like this teacher wait time, he literally like sat on that for about a minute of silence. And it sunk into me. So when I went back to school that next day after hearing him speak, I just started watching the students. And there were some students who loved to draw. So why am I only letting that student draw once a week in the art class, just like you said? There are other students who love to write. But the only time they got to write was when we were doing spelling words or whatever. Why is that student not writing all over my chalkboard or all over my whiteboards? I mean, I literally just <laughs> changed the entire teaching philosophy <laughs> just from that one thing. So I say his quote all the time now. 20 years later, if you observe students, they will teach you how to teach them. And that is like the coolest thing. Like today's students love technology. So why wouldn't you be using technology every single day yeah. in your classroom? You know, don't wait until the iPads come or the cart comes or when you go to your computer lab. Like if you know that your students love Fortnite, why are you not using Fortnite in your teaching? Why are you not referencing a Fortnite in your instruction? Right. If you observe students. Yeah. They will teach you how to teach them. No, it's so true. I love that quote, by the way. Yeah. I wrote it down myself, so I'll be using it later. I want to talk about another topic that you're passionate about, and I think uh -huh. it's so important right now where our country is, and, and that's the topic of equity. And I know that yeah. you've been working with your district, and I know that it's something that you speak on, and I think there's obvious reasons as to why you're so passionate about that. But I would love to you know pick your brain on this topic, and I just want you to share why it's so important for schools and districts to really hone in on this topic and really do some reflecting on, on their own practices in their schools. Yeah. So I was having a conversation with a group of teachers, and you know, on social media, it's really difficult to really open up and just be raw and transparent yeah. because interpretations happen, your trolls slide in. So we had a conversation offline and I was explaining to them how there are two Americas and they were like, oh, you crazy, Andre. And so I just had to share with them one of my stories and I'll share the story with you. I am at the central office. I have a leadership position. I've got the badge on. It says my name. It has my face on it. I had to go to two different schools that morning, like a walkthrough, a check-in, talk to teachers, principals, you know, all those things. And so one of the schools was an affluent school. The other school was a not-so-affluent school. So I go to the affluent school. I've got my badge. I've got my glasses on. I'm rocking a bow tie. I look very professional, very much so. Walk in the first. I don't know where the office is. This is my first time visiting the school, and so I walk through the double doors, and I just kind of stand in that center of the hall. There are classrooms walking by, and one of the kids looks at me, and I'm the only black person in the hall. I'm the only person of color in that hall. Like no one has any darker skin. Nothing. I'm the only one. I noticed it. 
I recognized it. And a kid walking down the hall said, stranger danger, and pointed at me. And I look around and I'm looking like, where's the stranger? Because I'm about to protect these kids at all costs. And then he's pointing right at me. And while he's pointing at me, teachers just pop out of nowhere. And then they start coming towards me. And like I was the aggressor. Right. Like I was the antagonist. And they're like, who are you? What are you doing here? You are not allowed to be here. And I'm looking at them crazy because I've got the badge on. The badge is on my chest. You can see that I work with this district. I don't look threatening, but since the kid said it, y'all jumping on me. And I'm just trying to find out where the office is. <laughs> right. And so they give me, man, they, they gave me the blues. And two other teachers escorted me to the office because I look like trouble. Hmm. So I get to the office and I recognize the principal. Principal recognizes me. Hey, Andre. And I'm like, how are you doing? And so once when the principal says me by my name, then the teachers all of a sudden like, well, we wanted to bring you a visitor. And I'm like, nah, y'all didn't have that same energy in the hall. So once when we went back in the office, I had to let her know what happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't actually ever know what happened after that, nor did I care because I didn't feel safe in that moment. Right. Same outfit, same badge. I finished doing what I did at that school, went to the other school, same school in the hood, same elementary. I walked through the double doors. You know, they got a budgie in. There's the kindergarten class walking by there. You know, they got their arms folded and they look like they're walking to lunch. And when I walk through the door with my bow tie and my glasses on, they look at me and then they start waving and they say, hi, mister. And I thought to myself, that's the difference. To, to one school, they saw me as a threat. Mm -hmm. To the other school, they saw me as equal. And those are the two Americas in which I live. Yep. Those are the two Americas in which I've lived my entire life. And so for me, it is very important to explain to educators how there are students in your classrooms. There are, there are teachers in your school. There are principals over your school that live those two Americas all the time. And they code switch. They get around their home. They get in a comfortable spot. They get around some of their friends and they can take off that mask and they can be their raw, authentic, true self. But then when they get in front of other people, they got to act a certain way. They got to be a certain way. That's one of the reasons why I wear glasses and a bow tie everywhere. Because I looked like a stranger, even though I had a glasses and bow tie, I looked like a stranger to them. But to others, I look like, just their everyday person. Right. So when we talk right. about equity inside of these schools, these are the things, these are the rough conversations we have. And I don't mind having those conversations. I don't mind asking those questions so we can get an understanding of what does equity actually look like? And for me, man, to be honest with you, Joshua, the root of the issue was the only black men that they identified with were the ones on TV. And the ones that were on TV were portrayed as gangsters or thugs or antagonists. When they saw me walk through that door at that affluent school, that fifth grader said danger stranger compared to a kindergartner who walked, who saw me walking in and they saw me as an uncle or a brother or a dad or a friend or a community member. So I don't mind having those conversations now in equity and saying, if this is happening at this one school, then what does it look like nationwide, worldwide? 
I think that's an important question to have. And so, for instance, like if a, a district is calling for you, Andre, to come in and, you know, help them with this topic, right? Because I think there are racial biases yeah. in every school in America, honestly. If we really, truly looked at it and, you know, tried to identify things, you know, we all have improvements that we can make. And um, this is generational things that are still occurring in our classrooms. And there are practices that we just take for granted that we do this because we've always done it, but we don't actually look at the root as to where it came from to begin with. And so for you, when you're coming into a district and helping them, what are some first steps that you try and get schools to really look at to make some headway in this topic of equity? Yeah. The, The very first one is you just come in with an open mind. Because my reality may not look like yours. <laughs> my reality may be 180 degrees different than yours. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that my reality isn't real. The number of times that I've been pulled over just because I was black. And perhaps you've never been pulled over. Or perhaps when you were pulled over, they were nice to you and they let you off with a warning. Right. I wish I would have had a warning in all of my years of driving. That would have been phenomenal. Like So that's the first thing, just being open to this conversation. And then the second thing, the work will always be internal first. You've got to admit to it, just like an AA meeting. You always got to admit first, hi, I'm Andre, I'm an alcoholic. Then after that, that work can begin. So you got to admit, hi, I'm Andre, I'm an educator. I might have some biases. Now you can actually do that work. And some of the things that I always look for, man, to be honest with you, uh, this, of course, is pre-COVID before sure. schools sure. shut down and they, you know, they, they let you inside the rooms and the schools. That, that doesn't happen much anymore at all. No. Uh, some of the very first things, like when I walk into an elementary room and I look at that elementary library, if there are more animals as protagonists than there are people of color, we got to have a conversation. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love where the wild things are. Don't get me wrong. I love uh, corduroy. I love seeing little animals as protagonists. But if you don't have any books of color that are picture books, that's a really strong start. Mm -hmm. Same with the alphabets on the wall. Like I'm looking to see how equal is it actually in your classrooms? Are all your ABCs and one, two, threes and are they generic? If so, why? There are plenty of companies out here that show people of color, students of color, uh, just like, once again, it always starts inner work first. So those are some of the things that I help our teachers to discover. And then once we discover it, now we can put a plan to it. Now that we understand that our libraries don't have people of color, where, where could we find some books that are starring people of color as protagonists? and not the antagonist villains. Now we can have those conversations and that's just kind of the uncovering of what we do. Well, and I think you brought it up too earlier about when you were going through school and now being a teacher yourself, like there weren't a lot of teachers of color, right? And so those kids aren't actually seeing people that they identify with. And that, and that could be, you know, multiple races, but you know, for you specifically, and then, you know, like you're saying, what about the posters or what about the pictures in the school? And um, I mean, there's so many things that you can look at as far as imagery. And is that reflecting the true demographics of our student body and our community? 100%. Yeah. 
So I think that's there's a lot of power in that, and I think you know everyone needs to really reflect on that. I think you brought up some great points. There was one school district here in Oklahoma where they realized that the Latinx population was continuing to grow. And so instead of just settling on it, they were like, we are going to find some teachers who can speak Spanish and teach at a high level. And so they went to Spain. They literally took two or three people to Spain because at that time in whatever area of Spain they were in, they had like this huge teacher boom. And so they grabbed like 20 teachers from Spain. And I'm just imagining that that package must have been pretty nice for them to move <laughs> to Oklahoma. I'm just saying, it's not a whole lot. The Thunders here in Oklahoma, uh, maybe college football if you are a college football fan. That's about it. But about 20 people and their families came from Spain to Oklahoma and they started to teach. Mm -hmm. And so I love that they said, we need teachers of high quality who can teach, yep. who also understand the culture, who also speak the language, who also can connect that look like our student. And they went for it. And so that's one of the things that I always ask our administrators, our principals, our leaders. There may not be an Andre Dowdy in your little neighborhood, but when was the last time you went to a historically black college and university and went to their teacher program? Yeah. Or did you even know that there were HBCUs all over the country with teacher programs there? Well, I know one in Oklahoma. Yeah, there you go. Now we're getting somewhere. But they're, they're sprinkled all over the South and the East. Yep. And so if you are trying to find teachers who look like your students, like you said, the demographic, don't just go to the major universities. Don't just stop there. Uh, OU, yeah, I love Oklahoma University. I cheer for them every Saturday. But if you're trying to find teachers who may look like me, you might need to go to Grambling State University in Louisiana. Right. You might have to take that chance and drive somewhere outside of your state to find the students who look like, uh, to find teachers who look like your students. Mm -hmm. So yeah, man, that, that equity thing is such a huge deal because just one person makes a difference. I mean, I think back to like my little self. Had I not seen that black male teacher walking up down the hall and him stopping me and him saying, hey, you in trouble again for singing? Sing it to me. Andre Dowdy probably wouldn't be here as a teacher right now. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, he saw something in me because he was probably seeing a mirror of himself as a little kid. And so having those people in your classroom, having those people in your school, having those administrators to be mindful in those ways, man, it makes all the difference, man. Yeah, we need to also be, you know, looking at the data as far as, you know, our discipline data, and we need to look at our yeah. ET populations. I mean, are we equitable in those? A lot of areas that we can really dive into to make sure that, you know, in all of the areas within our school, that everyone's represented Absolutely. equally. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that, that schools can do to, to make sure that everyone is giving a fair shot and giving the resources that they need to be successful. Yeah, and it just starts with that conversation, like, actually doing the inner work was it easier just to go to the big university to recruit teachers because you already knew them mm -hmm. and you were an alum at that school or do you actually want to do the work and go find those teachers are you willing to go to spain <laughs> to make sure that your students are represented i mean like it sounds so meaningful if you actually really dig inside of it like they went to Spain from Oklahoma because they saw the need. Like that to me is like the dopest thing ever. That that lets you know that they they are really trying to serve their community. And I man, I'm all for that. 
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, let's talk about all the wonderful things you're doing because there's quite a few. Yeah. I know of you through YouTube. <laughs> so I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that project and you know what content you're producing there. Yeah, I, I teach unconventional. I noticed, once again, if you observe students, they teach you how to teach them. I realized that all of the students that I ever taught, they would always make connections to our lessons to a movie that they watched. Hey, Mr. Dowdy, you remember all the Fast and the Furious and blah, 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 blah. And I remember it because I watched the movie. It's like, yeah, that's a great connection. And so now, now that I'm outside of the classroom, I'm always still trying to find those teachable moments and I find them through movies. So on my YouTube channel, I have something called The Let the Real Lesson Within, R-E-E-L. And so we watch a clip from a movie a movie reel, and then we find that teachable moment, those learning lessons within it. Uh, one of the ones that I love the most is the movie Moana. And at the very end, Moana has the gym, the heart of Tafiti, and she's looking at the smoke monster, and she realizes that that heart of Tafiti is the actual heart that's supposed to go inside the smoke monster. And so she says, let him come, and she walks down to the smoke monster, puts the heart back, and then the uh, smoke monster sheds to become the goddess mother of the island. And then I push pause. And then I ask the students, what learning lessons can we get from this? Hmm. And you would be amazed at how these students pick up symbolism and connect it to their own world. Uh, season one has about like 40 movie clips. Uh, we have started season two. And so I'm doing the exact same thing, but now doing it through music and different musical performances. And we're pulling out some learning lessons from within it. Uh, the second thing, at my school, we laughed. We laughed all the time. Because, you know, sometimes life is hard for a teacher. Yeah. And you think about the negative so much, you forget that there are some funny moments in that school day. So the second thing on YouTube that I love is called Laugh a Little. And I just find the funny moments in education, and we laugh a little bit. Whether it be a kid spelling a word wrong to say something, <laughs> Whether it be one kid talking about my mama loves wine. <laughs> we just laugh at it. Uh, the third thing is something called chew on this. And got the idea because one day we were eating some, some meat and we got a piece of the gristle. And it takes a long time to chew on the gristle. And sometimes we just need to see a different perspective that forces us to chew. And so I once again, I'm always trying to find those teachable moments. And one of the teachable moments was I was trying to make a garden and I was getting frustrated because, man, my garden just wouldn't grow. <laughs> I would try to get it to grow and I'm doing everything and I'm forcing this little plant to, go, to grow. And then I have a process, a, a chewable moment. I, I chewed on it and I had a learning lesson <laughs> from a garden. So then I share about it. And so those are the three main things. Yep. Uh, I'm also uncovering how race played a factor in Oklahoma. So I'm trying to capture that. Like I took a trip with my mom and her, and her sister, my aunt, to a sundown town that I didn't know was a sundown town until I got there. Wow. And then they started to tell me stories when they were growing up. And so we literally drive around this little city and it was it's called the other side of the tracks. Now I heard about that growing up. 
but you literally saw it. And I was so amazed. I just had to pull out my phone and capture as much as I could because on one side of the track, very affluent. But as soon as you crossed over those train tracks, you can see the other side. Hmm. And so once again, these are teachable moments that we're having here. Since I'm not inside of the classroom, I try to bring the classroom to the internet so teachers can use these same clips and have a funny moment, a laugh throughout the day, or use those same clips from the movie reels and use it with their students. So that's what I do now uh, through YouTube, man. That's awesome. And everyone needs to go onto Andre's YouTube channel because there's so many wonderful resources there. And um, I'll definitely have the link in the show notes. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And Andre, I want to talk about another project that kind of relates to that is that you're actually making a movie. Yeah, man. So here's what happened, right? Uh, Whenever you hear somebody say that, that means it's going to be a great story. Uh, (laughs) I was doing a workshop with some teachers in California, and it was during the Holy Fire. So fires all over the place. So I asked them, like, what happens? Because there's a whole lot of smoke outside. Do you have outdoor recess? And they were like, nah, we would have indoor recess. And so we started to talk about movies and like, well, what movies do you show inside? And then from there, it evolved to what were some of the best comedy, like coming of age teen movies. And the more and more that they named them, the more and more I realized there was maybe only one person of color in. Hmm. Sandlot, one person of color. Yep. Fast Times Richmond High, one. Forrest Whitaker. Uh, Stand By Me, zero. Goonies, zero. And the more and more they were saying them, uh, Clueless, one, uh, well, two, if you count her boyfriend. The more and more they were saying, I realized, like, wow, there's stories that haven't been told yet. From LAX to Phoenix to Dallas, Dallas back to Oklahoma City, I had written my first script. And I was going to sell it and share it out that way. But the more and more I talked to different people, like, this movie could be made. And so I just made up in my mind, I'm going to learn it and count on my friends in the industry who live in Oklahoma and we're going to have a movie. So we had the cast ready. We were going through our read-throughs. We set up production time and March, uh, (laughs) March, Friday the 13th happened. (laughs) Pretty much. And COVID shut it all down. Yeah. So it's in production. We're just, we're just pushing pause until these numbers get low. And the cool thing is, man, 95% of the movie are the students. That's right. And these students are so dope, man. These students, like, they wanted to have a chance, but they couldn't afford to go to Hollywood. Hmm. Or they can't afford to move to Atlanta or New York. And so, like, to see the passion that they brought to the readings that we've done so far, man, I'm excited. I really am. Um, And I'm just hoping that this COVID thing, like, kind of goes away. (laughs) (laughs) We all are right now. <laughs> all right, right. <laughs> like, we don't want you here no more. No Listen. More. No more. I'm just thinking when, when it actually goes away, whenever that may be, I, I just imagine everyone just running into the streets and celebrating. Like, <laughs> Man, who are you telling? Who it's, are you telling? It's going to be a massive party, that's for sure. A massive party. <laughs> like, but we, we need stock in whatever party supplies right. before that last day comes because everybody's going to have the graduations that they missed, oh, yeah. the birthdays that they missed, the cookouts, the cookouts, <laughs> the shopping. Uh, yeah, sure. man. 
That'll be a so glorious you know, day. Kind of waiting on it. I'm okay with you know pausing and waiting as long as it needs to be. Yeah. Because uh, I want the students to be safe. Of course. But I'm yeah. excited for you and I'm excited for that project. And I, and I love the fact that you're bringing students into that too. And I can only imagine what the the passion and the excitement level for them because, yeah. like you said, they they don't have the opportunity and now they get that chance. And so that that's phenomenal. So kudos to you for that, Andre. Because I know you were in a administrative job and you talked about that a little bit but for our aspiring leaders what are some things that they can do tomorrow next week to really enhance their leadership journey follow people who do not look like you oftentimes we get in the bubble and we say oh i you know i aspire to be that type of person so i'm going to follow that person on twitter or i'm going to read all the books of that person and that is good. I mean, that that's great, but that can't be the only thing. Follow other people who don't look like you, who would think differently than you, because you can learn from everybody. Yeah. And the reason why I say that, I go back to those teachers from Spain who came to Oklahoma. That entire school in Oklahoma, their, their entire culture changed, the culture within the school. Because now, for the first time, they actually heard the difference between how to speak Spanish from a person from Spain mm-hmm. versus how to speak Spanish from a person from Mexico or from a person from the South from Texas or, you know, things like that. The black students at this school learn the culture of Spain. The white students at that school learn the culture of Spain. Our indigenous people that went to that school learn the culture from Spain. And then we flipped it. Our Spain teachers Learn the culture of the indigenous people in Oklahoma. I mean, think of all of the empathy that happens. Yeah. Where for us, we're excited because it's the 4th of July. And to them, 4th of July is just the 4th of July. Yeah, it's just another day. <laughs> but just imagine all of the learning and the empathy that is happening, all because there were people in that school who did not look like them, who perhaps didn't like them. Yeah. So any leader out there, and once again, we're talking self-work. If you're looking at your social media and everybody looks like you, yep. that that's an opportunity for growth. And that's what I do with my social media, whether I'm on Facebook, Instagram, I always try to find, of course, I got the homies and the friends who want to follow me, but I'm going to make sure I'm following people and I'm asking them to be my friend because I want to learn their culture. I want to learn how they teach, how they approach some of these things, because they got some strategies that I don't have. These leaders who are leading rural schools. I've never been in a rural district, but I want to learn. So now I'm following rural leaders and rural administrators because it's only going to help my practice. So aspiring leaders, the exact same thing. Get out your box and and follow and learn from people who may not look or think like you. Yeah. So let's talk about folks following you how can they follow you on social media <laughs> oh that's a perfect segue by the way oh so I, I give people options because some people may be uncomfortable and so if you just want to follow the educational journey that's twitter andre dowdy a-n-d-r-e d-a-u-g-h-t-y if you just want the educational content of here's some sources here's some strategies here's a link here's some retweets that's twitter Man, I've lost weight. And so I've been following my weight loss journey. That's Instagram. Yep. So if you needed some inspiration on how to lose some weight, or you want to see me pushing up weight, because, man, I'm trying to get these arms. I'm trying to get a six pack. <laughs> I've been trying hard. It ain't working, but I'm trying. Hey, I'm following uh, you on Instagram. <laughs> I can see the hard work, man. 
Yeah, man. It's good. It it gives you time to think while you're working and <laughs> you got a lot of reflection time when you're pushing weight. Uh, that's that. But then the Facebook is the one that I love the most because I know I have conservative friends. I know I have liberal friends. I have very churchy religious friends. I have agnostic, you name it. It's a melting pot on Facebook. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a bridge for a lot of those spaces because I grew up in the church, but I also understand my militant friends. I'm Martin Luther King Jr. I'm also Malcolm X. I'm W.E.B. Du Bois, but I'm also Booker T. Washington. I'm Abe Lincoln, but I'm also Frederick Douglass. So I understand the pool. And so I don't mind asking those questions and starting those conversations to give everybody a chance to have their voices heard, but to also learn from other people. So when my conservative friends hear about Two Americas, they're not just hearing it from Andre Dowdy, but they're hearing it from all of my friends who have gone through the police brutality without being shot or killed. Yep. They are the Tamir Rice's without being shot. They are the uh, uh, Tatiana Jefferson's without their homes being invaded and blown to smithereen. Um, and so I don't mind having those conversations. Then at the same time, I'm still funny. And I still like the laugh. So memes, gifts, oh, that's still there in Facebook as well. And I love watching movies. I love you listening to music. I'm always trying to find those teachable moments. So I have listicles all over the place on Facebook. And then I'm a sports fan still too. So I like to talk noise about you know sports teams so if you want that more personal side of me uh where i honor my wife openly i call it caking i romance her all the time on facebook just tell her how much i love her how much i appreciate her like if you want that personal side of me that's facebook if you don't want all that you can just stick to education that's on twitter or you can stick to my weight loss journey instagram and then of course like all the educational stuff is on YouTube as well. Definitely. Make sure you're following Andre on any of those options. He's definitely giving yeah. you a, a smorgasbord there. So Absolutely. I'm going to have all of those in the show notes for you. So make sure that you click on that and follow Andre. Man, you have just provided so much content today. I, I'm so uh, fortunate to have this conversation with you. And I just love the work that you're doing, especially in the in the area of equity. And for those who are looking to improve in that area specifically, we're going to have a link also to contact Andre. So make sure that you're reaching out to yeah. him. I know he does a lot of like high energy workshops, um, yeah. does a lot of things. And of course, now with COVID, you know, online. They're all digital now. Yeah, yeah they're all digital. Yeah. So make sure yeah. that you're contacting him. Again, thank you so much for being on the podcast this evening. And I truly appreciate it.